0: The following message is from the North Shore Christian Center MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Center is available at www.nscc.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7. This morning, I want to talk to you about making a difference. One of the values that we have in our church is helping others. The second core value of a disciple is also loving people. And so this morning, I want to combine the helping others, loving people, into this this message called making a difference. Making a difference. Mother Teresa was one of the most loved people of her generation. She died 15 years ago, but I guarantee there wouldn't be a 15-year-old that has not heard of Mother Teresa. Think, as soon as someone says, Mother Teresa, there's a warm glow that happens in people's lives. She was born in 1910, she died in 1997, and everybody has a beginning date, and if it hasn't already happened, it will one day, you have an end date. And so you will never be known by the day you were born and the day you die, but you'll always be known with the little dash in between your beginning and your end and what you did with your dash. And Mother Teresa, the reason why she is highly regarded and highly respected and probably the most influential person of the last century was because she decided that she would spend her life helping others. Born in Albania, could have been a person like so many other Albanian women born in 1910 that locked themselves away in their own little village, just doing their own little thing, but she decided that she would go to India and help the poorest of the poor. And she lived her life with this little motto, It goes something like this. This is what she says. I'm a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who is writing a love letter to the world. And every single one of us can become a little pencil in the hand of a writing God who's out to declare to this world that he loves them. And today, what I want you to see yourself is is not someone insignificant, but someone as significant. I think it was um, the, the, the great author, Everest, Edward Everest Hale, that said, I'm only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And I will not let what I cannot do Interfere with what I can do. And today I just want to talk to you about the power of influencing one, making the difference in the life of one. And so I can't help but open up the scripture to Luke 15, where it talks about God's love for the one. And here it is in Luke 15, verse 1. It says, Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him just that verse in itself i could preach a week on that one because what that says was that jesus was attractive to people that weren't even religious jesus was attractive to people who were blinded to the things of god they were blinded to righteousness but they weren't blinded to jesus They drew near to him because he was attractive. He wasn't pointing a finger of condemnation towards them, but he was reaching out a hand of encouragement to them, and it made him attractive to the tax collectors and sinners. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. The religious people complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. What a terrible thing. How terrible is that? That Jesus, the Son of God, receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, everybody say one, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. This is the story of the Good Shepherd. And the reason the Good Shepherd is the Good Shepherd is because he places value on everyone. So what happens sometimes is this, is that we place value on the whole rather than recognizing that the whole is made up of many parts. And you don't have the whole W-H-O-L-E without the addition of all the little parts. And if you start losing the little parts, you actually lose the whole. How many of you love jigsaw puzzles? Uh, my wife loves jigsaw puzzles. And my mother-in-law is the jigsaw puzzle queen. Literally, we, we scour the world to find jigsaw puzzles that are too difficult for her. And uh, and so Anne bought one yesterday. It's all green except for this little castle in the middle. And she says, "Ah, this'll test her out." I thought, "You wicked lady, your mother is 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 getting on, and and uh, and 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 you want to persecute her and make it difficult." She says, "Yeah, let's see if she can do this one." But if you love jigsaw puzzles, one of the most Hated things, if you're a jigsaw puzzle lover, is losing one piece. Just It's a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle. You got 999 pieces. But if you lose that one piece, it's like, no, I can't complete it. But you put 99, 999, yeah, but that one piece, it stares at me. It says... I'm missing and you scour the house looking for that one piece. See that's the value of one and this is the good shepherd. He looked at his flock and he knew of them by name and this particular night there was one missing and he looked at the 99 and said you're safe. I'm going to leave you safe but I got to go searching for the one that's missing and he went and found the one that was missing, and embraced it. And I just love the scene with the little sheep on his shoulders, carrying it home. Why? Because he loved the one. That's the good shepherd. Then there's another story in Luke chapter 10. And this is the story not of the good shepherd. It's the story of the good Samaritan. And when Jesus tells this wonderful parable, he tells the story of, and you can read it in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 34, of of the man who saw the one neighbor that was injured. And everybody else ignored the injured one because they were too busy ministering to the many ones. The priest and the Levite, their responsibility was to, Minister to many, and in ministering to the many, they lost sight of ministering to one. I heard a story of uh, a Bible college professor that was teaching his class how to preach, and he told them, What we're going to do is this is that we are going to prepare a sermon on the Good Samaritan. So he got his whole class to prepare it, and so they would all come to his office to get the last words, and then they would have to walk from his office to the Bible College Chapel to preach the message on the Good Samaritan. And so after he'd finished prepping them and they got their sermon together, he'd say to them, you've got three minutes to get to the chapel to preach. What they didn't realize was that the professor had actually put a street person between his office and the chapel that was lying on the ground, injured. What, a, what, an interesting, what an interesting professor. I thought to myself, that's given me some ideas. <laughs> and then what would happen is that the students knew that the professor was going to assess them. But it, that what they didn't realize was that he was not going to assess them on how well they preached the sermon, but how well they lived the sermon. And so because he'd give them three minutes to get to the chapel, they're all in a rush. And in their rush to preach the sermon, they neglected to live the sermon. So needless to say, when they were called in how did I go? How did I go, professor? How did I go? And they were confronted with what they didn't do. They were cut to the heart. But nevertheless, nevertheless, the message was communicated very clearly. And I want to say to every single one of us, it's very easy to preach a sermon. It's another thing to live a sermon. And the whole idea of this parable of the Good Samaritan is to Just be aware of the one that you can help, the one that you can help. So we've talked about the good shepherd. We've talked about the good Samaritan. Let's talk to you this morning about the good Christian. Now, for those of you that love alliteration, I was going to put the good servant of God for for alliteration purposes, but don't want to distract from what it is. It's really the good Christian. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, because Romans chapter 12 actually describes the behavior of the good Christian. So it's one thing, it's one thing to be saved. It's one thing to receive the grace of God. It's one thing to receive forgiveness and mercy from God. And I love that. I don't ever want to decry the grace of God, the mercy of God, the forgiveness of God. But you know what? That's, that really is stuff for new Christians. That's stuff for baby Christians. Now, not that we ever discard that stuff because it's like learning to breathe. You know, that's sort of the first thing you do when you're born, you breathe. <gasps> but thank God you don't forget to breathe for the rest of your life, but you add a little bit more to life experience than just breathing. Hello? Can you, can you hear what I'm saying? And the same thing, you know, when, when you do, you know, Alpha and First Steps, you start to get some, some basics and revelation and, and then you add to that other revelation. And so I love the message of grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. But that's the message of a new Christian. And so don't live there, my friends. Don't say, well, I'm just camping at grace, I'm just staying there and I don't care about all the other revelations, man. I'm just a grace person. I'm, I'm just living by grace. And that's like saying, I've learned to breathe and that's all I'm going to do for the rest of my life is breathe. Well, thank God that you're going to do that. That's good. That'll keep you alive. But there's a lot more to life than just breathing. Can you hear what I'm saying? I'm just amazed these, these days where, where people are just being sidetracked to the new Christian's message. I want to camp there and live there. I'm saying, what is the matter with you? There is still so much more. Let's turn to Romans chapter 12 and find out how to behave now that you're a Christian. Now, seriously, these, these few verses, I would call it the Christian manifesto. These few verses in Romans is Paul writing. And the whole context of Romans 12 is this, now that you're a Christian... Make sure that your mindset's changed. Make sure that you've had this renewal of the mind where where you're not being indoctrinated by the things of this world, but your mind is being changed to live the way God wants you to live. And then, then follow this. He says, "...let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints." Give to hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weak, be of the same mind towards one. And it goes on all the way to verse 21 where it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I don't have time this morning to do an exegesis of every single one of these passages and open them up and open them up for you, but I would love for you in your own personal devotions to open them up and say, what's required of me now that I'm a Christian? What's the behavior? So so just let me just give you the four B's of, just very quickly, the four B's of a good Christian. Number one is be loving, not hypocritical be loving this is what this is what the scripture says let love be without hypocrisy true love doesn't need anyone to notice what you do you do good whether people see it or not see hypocrisy basically says i'm one thing when people are watching i'm another thing when people aren't and so so to behave like a christian is no no let's do it in silence. let's do it in secret but let's do right continually so we're just, something is oozing out of us, which is love. And that, what that means is this, is that you've been transformed by the love of God when that happens. The next B is, is be kind. Not inconsiderate, but be kind. Be kindly affectionate one towards another. Treat people like VIPs. Be nice. Everybody say, be nice. It's just wonderful to be kind and nice and considerate. When my mother came to Australia in 1958, she couldn't speak a word of English. Matter of fact, when she left Italy in June 1958, she didn't even know that they spoke other languages besides Italian. When she gets on the boat and she hears these people speaking a strange language, she's thinking to herself, I hope they don't speak this language when I get off the boat. Seriously. Seriously. She'd not not been to school one day of her life, not studied geography, didn't know anything about anything. And here she's off because she got a a letter from a man that she hadn't seen for seven years in Australia saying, come to Australia and marry me. Where's Australia? I know who you are. I haven't seen you for seven years. And she got on this boat and she lands here in, in, in Sydney. And then, you know, they got married three days after she lands on the boat yeah what what totally different era and uh, then she moves up to scone because dad was working at glenbourne dam and uh, and so dad has to go to work during the day and his mum left alone in a strange country in scone in 1958 was just one little country town Huh? love it still hasn't changed and so, and so she's, she, she just is totally ignorant of anything, and she's she can't even go shopping because number one, they didn't have shopping centers in those days, folks. They had little cornerstones, and so, uh, so, so, so she, corner stores. What did I say? Cornerstones, corner stores. There you go. See, I'm founded on the word. I'm founded on Jesus, the chief cornerstone, and it just comes out. And so, so there's one day she wanted to buy meat. And so she goes to my dad, who'd been here seven years previously, and said, "I need to go to the butcher to buy meat. Teach me how to do this." And so dad said, "All you've got to do is learn this. Me want meat." And so mum practiced it. Me want meat. Me want meat. Me want meat. And so she got it down pat. Me want, Me want meat. Me want meat. Me want meat. And so I can just picture her. Here she is with a purse in her hand. Big adventure. She's going to the butcher shop to buy some meat. Me want. She's practiced. Me want meat. So she gets there. Gets into the butcher shop. And I, I mean, I wasn't born at this time, so I'm just picturing, imagining. And so the butcher's there serving the customers and mum's waiting there. Me want meat, me want it. And so she's got it, she's got it down pat. And then, then the butcher looks at her and, and says, can I help you, ma'am? Me want meat. <laughs> okay, so what type of meat do you want? <laughs> me want meat. <laughs> Would you like lamb chops, topsogles? Me want meat, and so then the butcher, then the butcher points and she and she finds the top side, the yielding top side. She points to it, and so it's only my dad and her just to tour them. She only wanted one little piece of steak, and so the butcher just starts putting the the, the meat on the scales and one piece and two pieces. And, all she, and she realizes at that point that all she can say is me want meat. And it's not the appropriate thing to say when he's putting too much meat on there, you know. And so, and so the, the only thing she can say is enough in Italian. <laughs> <laughs> we got some Spanish people here that, are, that have just gone ahead of me. And so she says enough in Italian. And Italian the word enough is Basta. And so then she shouts out, Basta, Basta, Basta. And she sees the face change. And so, and so the butcher then just slams the meat, wraps it up. And, 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 and poor mum, she gives him her purse. So he pulls the money out. And, and anyway, when dad comes home, mum is bawling her eyes out. She's bawling. That says, what's the matter? She says, I did exactly what you told me to do. Me want meat, me want meat. But this butcher puts the whole shop on the plate. he says, and and the only thing I could tell him was bastard. And my father, oh, you. In Australia, that's a bad word. She says, what? In Australia, that means illegitimate. She goes, oh. And then she says, You're not going to work tomorrow. You are not, you, he says, You are going to stay here and you're going to take me to that butcher shop and we're going to explain exactly what happened. And so dad was not allowed to go to work the next day. <laughs> he knew the two best words a husband can learn yes, dear. <laughs> So, and so he stays home from work, and then when the butcher opens up, he's dad and mum and, and, and dad explains to the butcher what went on. And, and when the butcher realized what was going on, he said to my dad, listen, any time she comes in, she can call me buster anytime time. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. But in those days, any act of kindness from anyone was so appreciated and my mum reckons that the, the lady that, that owned the guest house and where they stayed couldn't speak Italian, but she was so kind to my mum. She would just get her to help her do the... Because mum just didn't want to sit in a room doing nothing. She wanted to cook. She wanted, and so this lady would get her to cook and teach her stuff. And she, mum would help her make the beds and get that guest house nice and clean. But all acts of kindness were remembered. And so that was 1958. You talk to my mum today about her life in Scone back in 1958. What you can remember are every single act of kindness that anyone ever did to her penetrated deep in her heart. Can I just say to you, be aware of strangers. Be aware of people that, that are in our country that can't speak English. Be aware of them because any act of kindness... And you know what as a church? We embrace them, and that's why a church is so multicultural. Because we embrace people. We we, we want to show them love. We want to be considerate to them. That's what a good Christian does. Be aware. That's that's what it goes on. It says, be aware, not lagging in diligence, ferventance, but just be aware of people. Just if if someone is feeling down, there might be a reason why they're feeling down. Be aware of them. Be aware. You, you know, Folks, it is so easy to point the finger of judgment without stopping to listen to what's going on in their lives. In your family, be aware. Listen to each other. You know, listen, can, can I, I mean, I, I say a lot to husbands, but can I just say something to the wives here today? You know, just, just sometimes your husband isn't full of conversation. He said, What? I needed to come to church to hear that? <laughs> huh? Tell me something I don't know. Huh? But the, but the point is this that if when he does open up, you show interest, when he does open up, not only are you showing interest, but you're building up his self esteem rather than criticizing everything he says or does, then he'll be more encouraged to open up. But the more you criticize him, the more you put him down, the more you make him feel like an idiot, the more he close up. And yet men aren't as sensitive. I mean, wh- how classic is this? All you girls, you're having a beautiful evening, beautiful desserts. We blokes, we got to go shoot each other. Come on. Let's go into a field and just, you know, shoot. That's, men are very different to women. Please don't try to make us into women. Come on, guys, help me out here. <laughs> huh? Just, we're, we're not women. Yeah, Anne took me to a candle shop the other day. <laughs> help me choose a candle. I said, sweetheart, it's like asking me. It's like me asking you, help me choose anchovies. You, it's, it's not there. So, understand the differences. It's like there are differences But if you want your man to open up, he won't open up in an environment where he's being finger-pointed. He'll only open up in an environment where he's being nourished and cherished and encouraged. Men need encouragement. They need for their wives to make them feel significant and macho and big and strong and tough and able to do a myriad of things. And the more they feel that way, the more they'll do. The more they feel like an idiot, the less they'll do. That's just a word of advice in being a good Christian. <laughs> Seriously, it's all about doing life and being real and doing life. Being a good Christian at home. You know, just, that's, it's not just being a good Christian at church, it's being a good Christian at home. It's being a good Christian at work. It's being a good Christian when you're driving on the road and pick out traffic. Oh, that's my uh, challenge. But I'm learning, yeah, sure, cut in, it's fine, it's okay, God will bless you. Fourth thing is be generous. This, this whole thing, distributing to the needs of the saints, giving to hospitality, the whole aspect of live life as a giver, not a taker. Live life as a giver, not a taker. Do you know what, there are, there are times when we need to take. But even when you're taking... Just say, is there something that I can give? Because one of the worst things that you can do in life is not value what you've got. Because sometimes the most beautiful thing that a person can give is a compliment. And everybody's got compliments to give. But some people just can't give a compliment if their life depends on it. So, some parents are willing to give their kids 50 bucks but not a compliment. Not something that'll lift them up. They're willing to give they're willing to give their kids an inheritance of resources and money but not willing to tell them how precious they are. And what a travesty that is. So be constantly on the lookout to give, to give, to give, to give and if you're in a position, you know and and let me just say to you that as a church if you're in need we want to give to you. Absolutely, we want to give to you. And 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 everyone at some stage in their life is probably at a place where they need someone to give to them. And it's not a sin. Matter of fact, you know, sometimes we go through tough times. But can I just say to you as a Christian that that's only a temporary situation for you because God's going to turn it around. And if you're going through a tough time, the last thing we want to make you feel is that you know, that you're useless or hopeless. What we want to do is to make you feel that you can receive. And what a wonderful thing it is for you to say, what can I do in return? What can I do? Maybe I can help someone clean their house, or maybe I can wash a car, or maybe I can do some gardening, or maybe I can do something. Now, we would never, ever demand that from you. That's not the way that we give. But what a wonderful thing it is to respond that way. And Because it's not demanded, but when it's a response, it says, do you know what, at this moment I need some help, but I'm also willing to give help in the areas that I can. And that's a beautiful response to life. That makes you a big, big person. My time is up this morning. But can I just finish this morning by saying this? Don't be so taken up with making a difference overseas, that you forget that we can make a difference in the person across the street. Overseas or over the street? Overseas or over the room? See, see so often we get so caught up with, with, well, if i got an opportunity to go there, then I'd do it. When God says, well, you don't have an opportunity to go there, but you have an opportunity right where you are. So across the street, across the desk, across the hall, across the room is where someone lives into whose life you can make a difference. Jesus came all the way from heaven to earth to make a difference in your life. And he's made a difference in your life. Can you now make a difference in someone else's life? Can you today begin to say, You know, Jesus went out of his way to focus on me. And I'm the one that he came to die for. I'm the one that he came to give life to. Now, because I've received from him, I'm willing to give out to others. What a powerful thing that is. And this morning, I I want us to leave this place saying, I'm going to be aware of the people around me. I'm going to be opening my ears, opening my eyes, just to look. At home, if you're married, I'm just going to be looking at what I can do to help my spouse. I'm going to look at what I can do to minister to my kids. I'm going to look at what I can do to invest just in the people around me. What, what can I do to make their life better? What can I do to make a difference in their lives? And if you live like that, friends, you'll live a big life. You will live a huge life. And that dash between the day you're born and the day you die will be a big dash. It'll be a huge dash. And it'll be a significant dash in someone's life. Can we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Father, I just want to thank you for every person in this auditorium today. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've come to give us life and life more abundantly. And I just pray, Lord, that you'll help us. Help us, Lord, to make a difference in people's lives. I wonder if you can pray... This prayer with me. Can you just pray this prayer? Just all of us out aloud. I want, I want you to say this Father God, I want to thank you today that you chose me and gave me life. Now, Lord, help me to make a difference in someone else's life. Help me be kind. Help me be considerate. Help me be loving. Help me be generous. Help me be aware of the people around me. That I can do something that is significant in their life. I want to make a difference. Help me, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials.